So we're starting today something that is very much needed. And how do we uh, how do we know what's needed more and what's needed less? Since I've been involved with the people for a very long time now, I see what people come and ask on a regular basis. There's some questions that repeat themselves over and over and over again. And once you have so many questions that repeat themselves, you see that those questions are the burning questions, things that are needed. And in order to raise awareness of everything that needs in, uh, in, in every house kitchen, I thought that this would be a good idea to address those questions that we'll be addressing and to learn them, to learn the rules, to learn the basics. If you'll open the booklet that we gave away, we gave out, in the beginning you'll see there are basics. Those basic rules, see how it says in the beginning over here? One must be equipped with the basics below in order to obtain the understanding on how to apply the rules to almost every question that comes up in the kitchen. Which means, when you gain those basics, you already have, you're already ahead of the game. You already have half of the answer, as they say. When you have a question, you ask a good question, that's already half an answer. So those things over here are the rules. Once you get the rules correctly, you already know if it's a question, or you can also sometimes know enough to be able to answer yourself. So those things we're going to learn, those are actually rules. Rules. It's not only just halachot, things that... These are rules. Once you have the rules, you know, you'll know how to implement them in the kitchen. And once you gain the understanding, you see, this is, this is not a shiur. It's a course, which means if you didn't understand, the reason you write is because whatever you write, you have to understand. Otherwise, what are you writing? You're writing something that you understand. You put it on a piece of paper, and if you didn't understand, we'll have a chance to ask the questions. I'll try to explain things very clearly. We go slowly. And once a person understands those concepts, he writes them down. Hopefully with that, he goes home and he has this written. He goes home with understanding. He can review this also once in a while when a question comes about. But he'll give you a totally different outlook of what you need to understand and what's a question, what's not a question, where to be concerned and what not, where not to be concerned. It's very, very important to just understand those basic rules. So whoever would invest the the time to listen and to understand and whatever you don't understand put a note we'll we'll have time for questions we'll leave the questions to the end we'll make um the main the, the main is understanding the main issue would be understanding the basics now until the next session then i'll present some of the questions that people constantly ask which means those questions are very relevant and then we'll have time for for, uh, for questions that will be asked. So just to give a very quick review, since we're dealing over here mainly on few platforms, we're dealing with, with a question of basal bechalav in the kitchen. 
Because usually what you have in the kitchen, the concerns in the kitchens are usually people don't have trefot normally in the kitchen. So the main issue in the kitchen would be trefot could also come about sometimes in the kitchen. Where is that? In your office, for instance, where you have goim working and you have a kitchen, you go to vacations, you, you rent a hotel room, you rent a house. So that's something that's very common today. People get such suites when, where they have also a kitchen. What are they allowed to use? What are they not allowed to use? You go for uh, Pesach. Pesach is coming. It's, it's mamash around the corner. So you need to know the basics of that. We'll touch on that as well. That's something that each and every person should understand well in order to be able to implement in those uh, in those areas that we explained. And we will, Be'ezrat Hashem, touch also, uh, maybe on the last session, maybe if we do Elchot Shabbat afterwards, before, so we'll touch also on the issues of infestations, of bugs, how to check, we'll maybe uh, do hands-on, how to check uh, leaves, green leaves, how to check different kind of things that are usually are infested or not infested. We'll learn the basic rules. These are, these are going to be a, uh, exciting classes of hands-on, how to check. You'll, we'll gain a, a little bit of understanding what we're looking for when we check those things and how to do it. It's not a simple thing. You have to get your hands on and you have to actually get a little bit practice. And once you get that practice, you'll be able to to know what needs to be checked and what's a concern and what's not and how to check. That's very important. We'll see. Maybe I'll do it. Maybe we'll bring also somebody else to help me out. We'll see how it's going. So just uh, as a beginning, everybody knows that the Torah, when it's talking about Basar Bechalav, the Torah forbids three things. It says in the Torah, Lo Tevashel Gedi Bechalav Yimo. And that, since the Torah repeats that three times, it really means three different Isurim. That's how Chazal explained to us. One Isur is the Isur to eat Basar Bechalav. One Isur is to cook Basar Bechalav. And another one is to benefit from basal v'chalav. Now, those three things could come about in different ways. For instance, eating basal v'chalav, of course, we know that it's davar asur and one that had an accident in the kitchen and meat fell into the milk, milk fell into the meat, or other scenarios that we'll touch upon, this is when this question will come about. But sometimes, it's not that you actually... Uh, had this basal v'chalav in order to eat, but rather you have somebody gave you something that looks a little bit suspicious, it has a basal v'chalav in it, something like that, can you give it over to your maid, um, can you give it to your dogs, can you give it to your neighbor, what are you supposed to do with such things? Giving over basal v'chalav is also forbidden, because we said that you're not allowed to benefit from basal v'chalav as well, and giving over something to somebody is a benefit. So that would not be permitted. Then you have the question of cooking basal v'chalav, even though you're not eating, and even though you're not benefiting. How is that shayach to cook when you're not planning to benefit from it, and you're not planning to eat it? 
That will come about, for instance, I'll give you a simple, a simple scenario that this could happen. One scenario is, let's say, you just cooked something and it burnt. You come to the kitchen, oh, hey, my meat is, or chicken is burnt. So what do you do? You take the whole thing and you dump it in the garbage. When you dump it in the garbage, you have sometimes in the garbage the cereal with a little bit left milk in it, the coffee with the milk that your kids spilled before you or threw the, the bowl with the cereal inside. Could be, could be that the leftover uh, yogurt that, uh, that the kid always uh, leaves a little bit on the, on, on, on the bottom. He puts it inside. And when you spill that, soup that got burned, the chicken that got burnt inside, they go straight into that yogurt, they're going straight into that milk, and that is called cooking. That's the, something that one needs to be careful. So we learn about that as well. When should you be careful and when not? So we'll see. We'll, we'll leave the questions to the end. We'll touch on everything. You'll see if you have questions afterwards, we'll touch on them. The, another scenario that could be um, in cooking basava halab is, let's say you have uh, all kind of towels in the kitchen, some that we use for meat, and some that we use to, uh, to wipe uh, the milk, uh, milk spilled. So you, you clean it with a towel and you throw it into the machine. When you throw it into the machine, afterwards you turn on the machine with all the towels in it, and you have over there milk, and you have over there meat as well. You need to be concerned about such things. So we'll touch on that as well, but I'm just giving you some scenarios. Normally you'll find kulot, you'll find leniencies for everything, but at least we are offering some ideas that one needs to be careful lechatchila not to do. If you see that there's a bowl of cereal in the, in the garbage can, don't throw that, uh, that burnt chicken while it's still hot in the pot straight into that bowl. Let me say if it was done, we'll see what happens. You have scenarios, for instance, in the kitchen that could happen that milk spills in the fridge. And it spills, and it touches a little bit the, the meat. Since it spilled, it spilled into the pot. There was a little bit of meat over there. Can you take it, wash it? Those things... Uh, do you need, to, can you wait? Can you, do you need to do it right away? Do you, can, do you need to wash the meat right away? If you let it stay in there for 24 hours, we have a concept that we learned that's called kavush, which means something that is left to, in, in, in milk for 24 hours, it's considered like it was kavush. Kavush means like, uh, pickled. So the same way you do pickles. How do you do pickles? You take cucumbers, soaked, Soaked, pickled. That's the way you do pickles. What do you do? How do you do pickles? You take the cucumbers, you put them into uh, salt water for a long time. That's called kavush, kavisha. Over here as well, you leave it for 24 hours, something will become a soup. So one needs to be careful. If he sees that something like that might have happened, he needs to be careful not to let it soak there for 24 hours. And we'll see. We'll touch on those things. That's just an introduction. Now... There'll be a difference, just uh, as part of the introduction, there'll be a difference between something that is cooked midderaita and something that is cooked midderabanan, which means some things are Torah prohibition. What are they? The Torah says 
לא תבשל, החכמים explain that it needs to be דרך בישול, it needs to be the same way that normally one cooks. How do you normally cook? Normally you either cook in a pot, that's the normal way of cooking. Another scenario that would be considered normal for cooking is to spill something over something else. So if you have a hot milk, for instance, and you spill it over, the way, just the way we explained right now, you spill it on a, on, on a cold chicken that's in the garbage, or it's not even in the garbage, wherever it is, and it spills on top of it, that's called, that's called cooking. That's called cooking. That's called derch bishul. Especially if the bottom is hot. The bottom is hot, always the bottom is more of a problem when it's hot because it overrides the top. So that's something to keep in mind. What's not going to be bishul midoraita are a bunch of different uh, ways of processing the food. Like for instance, frying, tigun, tigun. is a question in halakha. Lemaiseh, we machmir halakha lemaiseh to consider tigun also deoraita, and not derabanan. It's a Torah prohibition and not rabbinical prohibition. Tigun means frying. Frying would also be on the highest level. No, it's a machloket, but that's a scenario that will also be machmir. Another way to be machmir is something that was tzli. Tzli means to broil something or To roast something, it's also uh, something that you would take more severely. So that means if you have something roasting in your oven, and it touches milk while it's roasting, or even while you're taking it out of the oven, such a thing would be a surdo raita. So those are some of the examples. There's many more examples to that as well. Now, why do, why do I need to know what's the raita and what's not? Why do I need to know what's... a Torah prohibition, and what's rabbinical prohibition? Because only Torah prohibition is a soul to benefit from. But if it's rabbinical prohibition, you'll be allowed to benefit from that. So, if it comes your way that something was done in a way that's rabbinical, you'll know to ask a question, can I give it to my neighbor? Can I uh, give it to my dog? Can I sell it? Can, can I derive benefit from it? It could come up in different scenarios as well. So this is just a very basic introduction. Now when we start getting into the basic rules, the Yesodot, you'll see that the very first Yesod over here is the Yad Soledet. Yad Soledet Bo, that's the very first thing you'll find over here in the booklet. And that is something that we must understand because this is the most basic uh, thing that, that you'll come to ask when a question comes about. Whenever you have a question in the kitchen, the very first thing you think and, and, and pops to mind is, was that Yatsoleditable? If it's Yatsoledet, you come into a serious question, it becomes a serious question. If it's not Yatsoledet, many times, or most times, you can permit and we'll see how. So Yatsoledet, what does it mean Yatsoledet? The, the, the understanding of Yatsoledet. Yatsoledet means that the hand would run, come out of those Uh, hot boiling water that you have in front of you. Now, it's not boiling. Boiling point is usually a uh, much higher degree than the Yad Soledet. What degree is Yad Soledet? 
we have a dif- difference of opinions. What Yatzol? It's, it's either somewhere between 40 degrees Celsius to 45, which is in Fahrenheit 104 to 113. By 40 or 104 Fahrenheit, 40, 40 degrees, 40 degrees Celsius, that will be the more machmir shita that that is considered yad soledet. Which means, what does it mean yad soledet? In practical, uh, day to day, if it comes about, how would you know? You're not going to start measuring and, uh, and seeing what's, what's the level of your heat on the milk or whatever it is. Rather, can you leave your finger in it for a long time? If you can put your finger in it for a long time, it doesn't rush out of the water or the milk or whatever it is after a few seconds. So you know it's not yet soleted. This is how many poskim bring le maaseh. This is how you'll check it. This is how the Tifetshuva says, the Shmirat Shabbat Kilchata brings down that the, the heat is, as we explained right now, 40 degrees. And Mimele, the poskim bring down that that's the way you'll check it. Can you leave the finger in it? Ben Shai says a different idea. And that is, can you eat it comfortably? If you can eat it comfortably, which means you have something that's questionable, put it in your mouth and see what happens after you put it in your mouth. Can you eat it comfortably or you feel that you either have to take it out or you have to move it from side to side? It becomes not comfortable. It becomes something that's a little bit too hot for your mouth. That is... Yad soledet, and then you'll come across the question, maybe the things that that you'll have, the scenario you have is prohibited, it's a sur, it's a problem. That is something that we all need to understand well, that in order to have a sur, normally it's only when it's Yad soledet. Yad soledet again, either you can't leave a finger in there for too long, unlike on Shabbat. On Shabbat, there are poskim that say there's another concept called Yad Nichvetbo. We're dealing with Ilchot Shabbat. Especially Ashkenazim have such a thing. The Chaya Adam brought this and the Mishnah Bura that there's a concept called Yad Nichvetbo. What does it mean Yad Nichvetbo? It's a higher degree uh, of, of heat. And therefore over there, you're not, you wouldn't be allowed to leave your finger in there even for a couple of seconds. You put your finger and you wouldn't be able to leave it there. You'll remove your finger right away from the heat. Because of that, many would say that even on Klishani, that we'll touch soon, and we see what it is, even on Klishani, such a thing would be Mevashel. So if we take this to Elchot Shabbat, you know Elchot Shabbat, Isur Bishul, uh, is on Klishon normally. For Sephardim, definitely. Klishon, Klishon means the pot that was cooking on a fire, even if it's removed from the fire, that is clearly shown, we'll see that very soon. That is clearly shown, and that's the only way that will be a soup. If you take whatever's there in the clearly shown, and you remove it, and put it into a second utensil, whether it's a cup, it's a bowl, it's a plate, or a second pot, whatever it is, that's called klishani. Klishani, according to Sfaradim, doesn't cook. Doesn't cook. Ashkenazim would say that Klishani cooks. By Ashkenazim, it's more chamur. So, when you go to Ashkenaz's house, you'll see that there'll be much more machmir on Klishani, and even more so, if it's yad nichvetbo, sama machmir in Klishlishi, 
ביד נכווית בו. יד נכווית בו, again, if you can't leave your finger in it at all. You leave it there for a couple of seconds and that's it. You can't handle having a finger in it for too long. So again, we're taking this to Ilkhot Shabbat as well. In Ilkhot Shabbat, only Kli Rishon cooks, not Kli Shani. Kli Rishon cooks only when you have Yad Soledet Bo. If it's less than Yad Soledet, it does not cook, right? Kli Shani for Sparadim doesn't cook. Some say that if it's Kaleh Habishul, something that cooks very quickly, it does cook. Some things cook very quickly. You put an egg, that cooks very quickly. You put leaves, they cook very quickly. So some would say, using um, Klishani, you still have to be careful that you're not having Yad Soledet in Klishani by Kalebishul. Kalebishul would be problematic. Okay? Yes. Right. So again, so let's let's summarize what we said. There is yad soledet and yad nichvet. Now, I just don't want that people should be confused. Yad soledet and yad nichvet mostly is a halacha for Ashkenazim. The difference between them. Where does it, the difference uh, comes about in klishani klishlishi for Sfaradim, klirishon cooks. For sure, Ashkenazim as well. But Ashkenazim take that more chamur also to forbid kli shani, which means you spilled from kli rishon and you put it into a second kli, you put it into somewhere else. Does that cook also? Can you put over there uh, your potato and a raw potato? Or you would say that it's asur. For Sfaradim, it's permitted. For Ashkenazim, kli shani, the bomachmir. And even more so, when we're dealing with Yad Nichvet, the Ashkenazim would be Machmir, and there would be Machmir even many of them by Klish Lishi. That's the Chaya Adam brought down in the Mishnah Bura, this halacha that is much more relevant for Ashkenazim. When we're dealing with Kalei Habishul, again we're dealing with Shabbat, Kalei Habishul means things that cook easily and quickly, then... Many poskim sparadim as well are machmir on kli shani. So that's why you'll find many poskim sparadim and, and many people that would not make tea on Shabbat. Why? Even even though they spill from the urn into the cup. Now the cup is a kli shani. But kli shani, yeah, kli shani normally doesn't cook, we said. But if you take that tea bag and you put it inside... That's Kalea Bishul, according to Mishnah Burai, it's Mevashel Mamash Mideoraita. It's very Hamur. Sparadim have different opinions about this. But you'll see many people, Machmir, not to take those teabags and put them in Klishani. Why is that? Because they would hold that the teabag is Kalea Bishul. That is when we're talking about Yilchot Shabbat. Let's get back to us. We just want to know the concept of Yad Soledet Bo. What does it mean Yad Soledet Bo? When we understand Yad Soledet Bo, will understand almost every scenario, uh, will we'll take that concept of Yad Soledet Bo to almost every scenario and every question. What is Yad Soledet Bo? Yad Soledet Bo is a heat that you wouldn't, be, you wouldn't be able to leave your hands in there for too long. You'll be able to leave it there for 10 seconds, whatever it is. But after you leave it there for a while, you'll have to remove your hands. Or when you put it in your mouth, you'll have to move it from side to side or, 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 or spit it out. That is Yad Soledet, which is 
something that would cause a problem. Less than Yatzoledet usually is no problem at all. Although there are those that are machmirun, everything you'll find, machmirim, osrim, we're taking right now the most common approach. What's the heat level of Yatzoledet? We said it's between 40 to 45 Celsius. More than that, definitely it's Yatzoledet. Less than 40 degrees is definitely not Yatzoledet. Between 40 and 45, we found different opinions, so one should be machmir on that heat level. That is when we're dealing with Yatzoledet. Let's go to Kli Rishon. Kli Rishon is the next thing, and we just explained Kli Rishon. Kli Rishon also, Kli Shani are very, very important to understand. Because questions will come up only, and almost only, on Kli Rishon. If it's not Kli Rishon, if it's Kli Shani, most times you could permit. So, what is Kli Rishon? Kli Rishon, as we explained before, is a pot that was cooking on the stove, on the fire. That's called Kli Rishon. Even if you remove that pot from the fire, it's still Kli Rishon. It still cooks Midoraita. So again, Kli Rishon, a utensil, whether it's a pot, a pen, whatever it is, the urn on the, on, that, that, you, that you connect on Shabbat, whatever is on the fire, although an urn is not on the fire, but it's cooking uh, in, in, in there with uh, electric elements. So that is called Kli Rishon. Kli Rishon is, the, is where you find most of the issues, most of the questions, most of the problems. Kli Rishon is not only while it's on the fire, but rather, also, when you remove it from the fire and put it on your table, and now it's not on the fire, it's still considered clearly shown, and it cooks. And it cooks, and it causes problems. And you'll have to be careful with that. Until when? Until it becomes cool enough that it's not yatsolated. So this is the basic rule you need to know. Two questions you'll always have to ask yourself. Is it yatsolated? And is it Kli Rishon? If it's Kli Rishon and Yad Soledet, you have a question. You have a question, and most times it would be a problem. But we see when yes and when no. If it's not Yad Soledet, or it's not Kli Rishon, although it's Yad Soledet, although it's Yad Soledet, so you'll have more of a, more of a leniency. It's Kli Shani, you'll have more of a leniency. Lechatchila, you can't do anything even in Kli Shani as well. Shulchan Aruch breaks down in the Rema that Klishani lechatchila Ashkenazim definitely the more machmir on Klishani you find throughout those halachot that Ashkenazim are more machmir than Sfaradim. Why it's important for us to know? Even for Sfaradim it's important to know. Definitely Ashkenazim should know, but Sfaradim as well. Why is that? I always say in the Shiurim because many of us either went to Ashkenaz yeshivot and we learned Ashkenaz halachot. And when it comes to our kitchen, we need to know what is Nogea ourselves. Maybe that's not Alakha, that's Nogea our kitchen. It's good for those that learn in that yeshiva. Many of us learn in Sfaradi yeshivot, and the teachers are Ashkenaz. So if that's the case, usually they come also with Ashkenaz alachot that they learned. They didn't learn the Sfaradi alachot, they learned the Ashkenaz alachot. They come to teachers, teachers also in many, many Faradi, yeshivot as well, seminars and so on. So we need to know that's that what, what she taught me. Oh, you, I always get those questions. One minute, but I learned differently. Yeah, you learned differently because your teacher was Ashkenaz, or you went to Ashkenaz place, or because 
the book he got from uh, from the Sparim store is the Ashkenaz Alachot book, which are uh, which dominant uh, the 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 Sparim stores. Usually, most of the Sparim stores in the Sparim uh, most of the Sparim in those stores are Ashkenaz, especially up to about ten years ago. It was almost almost none none to found uh, Sparadi Alachot books. So. It's still like that, but it's getting a little bit uh, better in that aspect. But when you have that book in the house, in Yilchot Shabbat, in Yilchot Basar V'chalav, usually you'll see in the, in the front page that this is Ashkenaz Posek, and he'll tell you what's the Ashkenaz Alacha. Usually you're not, you won't find in there this Faradi Alacha. So you need to know what's, what's your Halacha and what's not. You, 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 many times you hear Shiu. You open up a shiur and you listen to a shiur on Yilchot Shabbat, Yilchot Kashrut, Yilchot whatever it is. And those that give the halachot give you Ashkenaz halachot. So you need to know these are not always nogea yourself. That is for, that is why it's important even for Sparadim to realize what is the Ashkenaz halacha as well. So you know, oops, that's not my halacha. What is the halacha that's nogea myself? So this is Kli Rishon. Kli Shani, we said, is that clay that was filled to the second utensil, whether it's a cup or whether it's a bowl or a plate or whatever it is, that after you remove from that pot, you spill from that pot into a second utensil, that's called klishani. Klishani would be, we'll talk about later in a second, klishani would not be mevashel, Bediavad definitely one could be mekel, especially if there's a loss, which means if it's something very, you just took water and it's on Klishani and you have questions now on Klishani, we'll see soon, we'll speak about all the different questions. But when you have a Klishani, if it's something that you could spill out and you're not going to have a loss, you should do that because the Shulchan Aruch says that one needs to be mechmir. But the Avad, he should be Mekel. But if you have something that you invested, you made soup, and, 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 and you invested on this time and effort and going to the, to the, to the store, and sometimes also it's a financial loss you made for the whole family. Sometimes it's Tel of Shabbat, sometimes you have guests, and, and everything is prepared. Then you realize something happened with a Klishani. Klishani, one could be lenient. Lechatchila, you are a little bit more careful even with Klishani.